You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, guys. Welcome to another episode of The Perth Property Show. I'm your host, Trent Fleskins. We are back again for part two of our Built Form series with Luke Parker from OP Properties. This week, we are talking about that next stage. Got the site. We've, we've done enough due diligence. We've locked down the site. We've negotiated that site and it's ours. And now we're focusing much more on the design aspect, the town planning aspect, and the myriad of consultants necessary to get this thing into DA and then through DA and out the other side, ready to move on to sales, marketing, construction, those sort of levels. So Luke Parker from OP, thank you very much for your time, mate. I appreciate you coming in again. Good morning, Trent. Great to be here. Matt, for me, this episode is much more expensive than I think most people will recognize. When we talk about a normal build, a normal development, this segment would be a lot smaller. Uh, you get your site, you possibly engage an architect or you go straight to a builder. They give you an idea of what can be built. They design it. It goes straight to the council for development application assessment. And it's a it's a pretty hands-off process when it comes to legislating the experts do their thing. In this space, it is super complex. This is where the, this is a, one of the points where it's really next level. And I, I want to let you run us through as a recap on the design spec of what it is we're looking to build. From that point on, who needs to be involved to help you put that together and make it functional and fit all the planning parameters? Yeah, look, I think most people's experience of building is building their own house. And often a house home builder will really manage the design and the different consultants involved behind the scenes. And so people, yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't be involved or necessarily be aware of- You wouldn't see it. What goes into it, yeah. So larger, I guess, apartment developments. And I guess for discussion, apartment developments, working on one in Fremantle, but say typically at a, at a price point of say 10 to $15 million construction cost. How um, many apartments are you getting out for that amount of money? So that one would be 30 to 35 apartments. Okay. Yep. So that type of project, once you've secured the site, as we talked through in the last series, secure the site, you're ready to go. Before you can commence your design development, you really need some key consultants around the table. So of course, the architect, as people would be aware of, is very fundamental to the whole process. Are there specialised architects in this space or do most of them do this? Most architects will actively do residential projects, but they will range significantly. And ever, you know, within residential, you've got a suburban house, you've got townhouse, you've got apartments, and you've got super you know, buildings. Super yeah. buildings. So yes, so everyone, the architect, all architects will have residential experience, but certainly there are practices around that will do a lot more apartment designs than say others that may. They specialise in heritage architecture, which is which is their niche. Can you rattle off just out of interest, maybe? Uh, five architects that you think do really well in this apartment space? Um, so we're working with Hillam on a project. They do a fair few Hillam architects. Uh, they do a number of apartments around town. Uh, MJA Studios equally do quite a number of apartments around town. Look, there's Hassel, large international practice, more in uh, probably 30, 50 million plus master plan communities and, and large complex. There's quite a number, a Bucken, they probably do more. They do a lot of residential, but a lot of retail as well. So there, there's quite a few around. Most of them have a national or international practice, but there are still quite a number that are just Perth-based and, and focus on Perth projects. Okay, so we've got our architect. Yep, so architects, which people will be familiar with what an architect does, 
Ditch the Architect, your town planner, which we'll come to later in this session about submitting your application. But really important for a big project to get the town planner involved nice and early so you, you can firm up what your design parameters are. They working are. with the architect? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Each of the consultants are specialists in their space. Of course, the developer or, and the project manager and the, the architect have a kind of an overarching role. But your town planning, there's no point designing a fantastic looking building that doesn't comply with the town planning scheme. Okay, so, so really, they're in early together yeah, with Yeah, really important. Yep. So then you've got your architect, you've got your, your town planner. Uh, and I won't go into too much detail on really the other consultants, but of course, your engineer. Now that's your structural engineer, structural and civil, for when you think about your stormwater design and, and some pieces in the ground. It might need to be a geotechnical engineer if you're doing serious excavation, electrical engineer for your electrical design, mechanical engineer, hydraulic engineer, fire engineer. So a number of engineers in the mix designing the building. Building compliance. So your building certifier, particularly well, just in general, um, in WA we've got um, private certification. And so while council has a final say in the tick-off in the buildings certification, which is different to your town planning approval, uh, with independent certification, your building surveyor is really the authority in the issue of your occupancy certificate at the end of the job. So really important to have them on board early. Uh, your land surveyor for all of your strata title and issue of strata title lots as you come closer to completion. Um, also, get setting out all the pegs, right? Absolutely. Yep, site establishment surveys. It's all good buying the land. Before you go and build a building that's two metres from the boundary, you've got to make sure you know where the boundary is yep. or where you think it is. What about landscaping consultants? Yep, absolutely. Landscape architect would have on board. Quantity surveyor to help with cost control and, and cost estimates, very important. Acoustic engineer. And people think, oh, what do you Becoming want? Becoming very important these days. Absolutely. So c- compliance with building regulations, but also uh, traffic noise. What does your insulation need to be? Do you need double glazing if you're near a highway? What if you're in Northbridge? There's a, quite a few developments going up around Northbridge right next to the nightclubs. Absolutely. Yep. So that's where acoustic engineer would help you design the building, not just the windows. Double glazed windows are only as good as their frames and the wall system that's constructed around them in terms of noise attenuation and the like. So your acoustic engineer will help you work through all of that in addition to to your architect. Uh, Vehicle transport consultants assist with designing your lifts. If you have multiple lifts, sustainability engineers, so your section J is a test as part of your building compliance but then if you want to look at pv solar panels so this energy efficiency we're talking about here or is that another so they will assess the building's thermal performance how quickly does it heat how quickly does it cool well this is a big part of the performance based assessment that design wa speaks about these days a big part of that has to be the sustainability side of things. Absolutely. Yep. So the way it talks about it, National Construction Code talks about it as well in terms of meeting minimum standards. But often you you know, you know say, well, what do I want to be doing as a developer and what does my market want? We're involved in developments where sustainability is sought after and highly valued than it might be in, say, some other areas. And so as a developer, you want to do these things that are progressive and sustainable, but you have a market that's going to pay for it. So that's where the sustainability engineer will help you look at what size should our solar system be? Can we justify battery storage? Uh, is, is some things that could work Well, that's through. going to be in the future very much something that's important, especially at the large scale where you can possibly now at a level of economies of scale afford it. Uh, battery storage in these big complexes could be a game changer. Absolutely. And and we're seeing the efficiency of batteries and, and price of batteries uh, rapidly decrease. 
And so from an individual apartment buyer's point of view, do you have an upgrade package where they can have a PV system and, and battery storage on the balcony wall? Or do you go next step and do you install a centralized battery system in the basement? that everyone within Australia company can share and get the benefit from. Or they could charge their cars overnight in yep. the basement. Yep. And at EV charging points, electronic vehicles, seeing what the, the UK has done in terms of 2035 restricting sales of um, non-electric or hydrogen cars. Big move. There's various trains of thought on how quickly electronic vehicles and automated vehicles will really become mainstream, but the general consensus is it's probably pretty quick. So we're certainly in our built form developments looking to cater for our charging points. But also it gets really interesting when you say, well, are we going to need the same amount of car bays in the future that we do now? And so designing for alternate uses in the basement if you have half as many cars is interesting. We could riff off about this sort of list for a long time, (laughs) I think, but let's get more practical again. Let's say we've got all those consultants. We have them engaged. They're doing their job. We've got our architect. He's put put these A0 pieces of paper in front of us with all the designs that are there. They've been ticked off by the consultants. We're ready to go and put our development application in. Who are we putting it into? Why? How long is it going to take? What is it going to cost? Yep. You would. You want all the consultants on board. You want to be careful you don't overdo it in terms of paying more fees for design costs than you need for DA. So is it a bit of a drip feed thing? Don't do it unless they ask for it? Or is it more no, prefer to be prepared? You got to set the parameters up front. Uh, for an apartment development, you really you want to focus on your apartment areas for obvious reasons, cost and, and sales revenue. And then the, the elements that are really important to a development application so that when it is assessed, it's assessed in the, in the best light possible. When you go to submit, you'll be submitting your development application to the local authority. If it's over a certain amount, then you can elect to go to JDAP or Joint Development Assessment Panels. Who are they? They are a state-appointed advisory panel that determines DAs. Are they... Lawyers, doctors, they are a combination of senior officers. public servants, but but more often than than not, presiding members are typically full time. Otherwise, some of the specialist members are, are architects or engineers. Okay, that luminaries of West a, Australian built form. Yeah, they do almost on, on a part time basis. But there's an increasing amount of work being done by the state government, Department Planning, uh, Planning Commission, and you know from the minister down about ensuring training of um, presiding members and consistency in decision making, which has been a big one in the last few months. A lot of work done. So, who would you rather be submitting a DA to, the local council or JDAP, or does it depend on which council you're in? Look, it, it's really dependent on the type of development, what council you're in. Often, it really doesn't matter often it can actually matter it of course gets political and can get contentious in terms of some councils that might be less wanting of more development and other councils that uh, want to promote that economic growth and and diversity in in housing so it's a call to be made that's where you work closely with your town planner uh, as as to what's the best path to take but from submitting depending on whether it needs to be publicly advertised or not the assessment period is generally 60 to 90 days and that's the time of which the determining authority needs to have made a decision around your DA whether it's approved refused and or either way with conditions as an idea of how much all these consultants cost is there a percentage number we normally run with uh, we don't want to go through the whole list, but it's something that we don't have to consider on a normal development as as a triple X level. They're just mm. all built into that build cost that you you get from your builder, right? Yep. This is all on top, upfront, in cash. Your holding costs start to add up before you even have a house built or before you even have a, a building up off the ground. Absolutely. So look, it's 
it depends what's in and out in terms of which consultants you count the list. But generally, we well, the QS would, would typically allow between maybe 7 and 9% of the estimated cost of construction to be your consultant budget. And that, that's all consultants. It's a lot of money. Yeah, so if it's millions. A, yeah, if it's a if it's a ten million dollar build, then yeah, it's close to a million bucks on consultants. So not only do you need to have the cash to buy the site, you could be spending a million bucks as a round number oh, that, plus that, or minus. That would be spent over the course of construction. Great. Okay. And so so give, what, what would the portion be at the start then in terms of cash? If we're if we're listening to this as an understanding of look, what do I need to be able to garner either myself or through a syndicate, yep. a bunch of mates, my family to get this just through DA. Yep. Any idea what those costs might look like? Look, again, every project's different. At that stage of the project, everyone wants to get the job up and running. And so uh, often we'll work with our consultants, have delayed fees or all the like. But really, if, you, if your overall budget, consultant budget is 8%, then you're going to be spending you know, one and a half to, to, to 3%. Um, on on your DA, yeah, yeah, okay. It's yep. still a significant amount of money. It's still it hundreds of thousands of dollars for a lot of a lot of cases. Yep. yep, and you certainly mitigate it and trim it back as much as you can to get as least as possible. But you need to do a certain amount of design to have confidence that once the DA is approved, you're not going to have to go and seek modifications to it because you didn't realise that there needs to be an additional lift. In which case, you know, four of your apartment areas have changed and you need a revised DA because the appearance has changed or something like that. From that point on, let's say we've got DA, which is, again, a massive yep. milestone. Before we start looking at sales, marketing, bank funding, is there any other work pieces in the mix there? Well, look, I mean, getting DA is always a, a really positive and, and a significant milestone. Always aim to uh, engage, uh, generally engage early with your stakeholders, um, community, local government, uh, and the like, and try and avoid ending up in SAT, appealing a, a refusal or... or What's SAT? Or, uh, the State uh, Administrative Tribunal. Is that so, a... So... Uh, generally, those three letters together uh, for us at our level is uh, normally means money and delays. Is uh, it the same thing with, with your level? That's pretty accurate conversion, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. So, look, you, you do a lot of consultation and you spend money on consultants and you gauge and, and make informed decisions to... Maximise chance you're getting through, but often there can be surprise uh, DA conditions. For example, you might still get it approved, but there's a condition that, for whatever reason, wasn't communicated earlier, or something that you might have missed in the scheme. If it's in the scheme, not much you can do about it. But um, that's where you might appeal uh, in the state admin tribunal. Equally, if you get a refusal, then there's rights of appeal, and that that primary right is basically appealing to SAT. Uh, we step through mediation and then if it gets to a full hearing, then it, it's reviewed as really a, as a third-party appeal court. Once you've got your DA, you're then into your sales, marketing uh, and bank funding strategy and beginning talking to your builder and thinking about procurement, which I think might be a good way to end this session we'll just roll into because that. it rolls into those, those ones coming. Okay, so let's hope we don't get to SAT. Let's hope we've got our DA. From that point on, our next session we're going to focus on, as I understand it, Luke, is we're going to start talking about, thinking about our sales strategy, our marketing strategy, which are two different things, as well as one of the most crucial parts of this whole development, our financing strategy. Look forward to speaking to you about those interesting uh, topics uh, next time you're in. Great. Thanks, Trent. Okay, Suburb Spotlight time now. We are talking about Redcliffe. As promised last week, we have one agent to talk to in that space. He's a regular. He's probably our most regular in terms of, of agents. He would be the agent in WA who is number one of the most suburbs in Perth. It has to be Devin Kelly. Thank, Thank you for coming on, mate. 
Thanks, Trent. Thanks for having us. This is a small suburb, but it's an important suburb, isn't it? Because there's a lot of change going on that most people probably don't really recognise. It is a small suburb. It is spread out, but we've got a lot going on with the Redcliffe train station and the airport redevelopment. We'll talk about that later. Uh, like to always talk about a bit of history. We've got a bit of history today. Redcliffe's a pretty old suburb, isn't it? Trent, it uh, dates back to 1897, mainly farming back then, uh, and then it was subdivided into lots. The immigrant camp on the eastern side of Tonkin, and the old school there was built in 1908. Wow. This is a lot earlier than a lot of suburbs around town. Is it just because of the access to the river? People started closer there and then moved back out to your Cloverdales and your Belmonts and your Cudales from that point? It certainly wouldn't have been Tonkin Highway back then. Well, it was Great Eastern, basically between the city and Midland. There was a lot of traffic. There was an old train line that used to run up to the Ascot Racecourse. And obviously we had the airport there as well. There's been a bit going on there over the years. Jeez, you think about an old train line running down that part, you, you could do with it these days. You could. I sold one over in Ascot recently and the train stop ended at the front of the home. And the, <laughs> and the old fellow that owned it used to say, oh, Perth Cup, the train would be full of people and they'd all be arriving on his front door ready to go to the races. Wow. So Redcliffe, what does it mean? There has to be something behind this. It's not someone's name, I hope. Well, I have found out, it, it may be true, it may not. The first settlers came up to Redcliffe and looked at the cliffs of Redcliffe from the river and they were red with red clay. So they called it Redcliffe. Simple as that. Simple as that. When you compare Redcliffe to the other, what is it, other four suburbs that you're the top agent in, in the city of Belmont, where does it sit? What does it mean to people in the city of Belmont? How would you describe someone who's chosen to live in Redcliffe, uh, what's their lifestyle like compared to someone in, in another suburb around town? Uh, Redcliffe offers uh, a lot more space for your valley for money. Generally, it always has been the cheaper end of town for the city of Belmont. Um, Which is strange because it's, it's so close to the networks and so close to the river. It's just getting that little bit further away from the city and closer to the airport but it did encompass the bottom end of Ascot, where Garvey Park and that river section that stretches to the river. That was renamed Ascot, but when I first started selling real estate, that was known as Redcliffe. Does it suffer from any airport noise? Is that maybe why there might be some lower prices per square metre there compared to a river valley. The airport comes into it also. The drone of Tonkin Highway has got a lot to do with it down at the back of Ascot Gardens and Flemington Chase. It can get a little bit noisy, but the homes are built accordingly. Well, clearly historic homes as well. Oh, the historic homes on the on the eastern side, a lot of them were immigrants that hand-built the homes, and uh, I've had the pleasure of selling quite a few of those homes, and there's a lot of history uh, with Council each these homes definitely (laughs) (laughs) uh i'd like to see those approvals uh, because you know as you said some of these hand built i'd I'd be impressed with how long they've lasted most of the homes we have these days you start changing them out after about 50 years and these things are a lot older than that oh the 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 last one i sold down there at 90 bulong the deceased estate the daughter who was selling it gave me the big story about how they all sat around and built bricks on the weekend to build the home 
And uh, yeah, it was a fascinating uh, story. And the the father was the local furniture maker for the area. There you go. So there's clearly a lot of history still around, but we'll talk about it soon in, I guess, our development segment. There's a lot of change coming up as well with regards to what's been going on with the airport. Yeah, with the DA6 vision plan and with the DFO's Costco, uh, everyone's moving in. There's easy access into the airport now off the back of Stanton Road. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's it, you really need to go down there and have a look if you haven't been down there. What's the demographic of people? Are they young? Are they old? Are they a mixture of everything? Do uh, they ha- do they, are they buying as a first home? Look, generally they're first home buyers in that area. Like you can get a decent four by two double lock up garage for four twenty five. That's your stamp duty price still there, right? Yeah, they're, so they're still under the four thirty. Uh, I've just listed a three bedroom duplex half in the area at two sixty five, and that's on five hundred square meters of land. So you're getting pretty good value there. A lot of people staying in the suburb, or is it really that first stepping stone towards moving closer to the ocean along the river? Um, it, look, it's a, it's an ageing area. Look, it, because it is so old, a lot of the old timers have moved out of the area or passed away. There is a large retirement village there now that's maybe catering for the older people. But generally, it's investors. When the boom was on, they flocked to Redcliffe. And nowadays, it's cheap living for first home buyers. I guess investors who are housing a lot of FIFO workers, right? Well, when the boom was on, Redcliffe was a great little spot for guys jumping straight off the plane. Price points, you've referenced a couple, but let's see how cheap it can get in Redcliffe and what that looks like. Well, your average uh, apartment, uh, unit, villa, you're looking at about 282000 Are they new apartment developments? I haven't seen a lot go up. I mean, Rivervale, that's had some some volume in that space, right? But has Redcliffe had the ability to do so? Uh, Redcliffe has sort of stopped a little bit in its tracks with the developers finishing up. There's still, you know, some large sites there ready to go, but no one's really putting bricks on the ground today. But I'm talking about three-bedroom villas, 30, 40 years old. Mm. You could probably even get a three-by-two double lock-up garage just over 300 grand. Yeah, wow, that is affordable. It's not that far from the city and amenities. Well, they were close to 400 back in, say, 2015. Wow. You referenced that that family home sitting in the early 400s? Yeah, I've got one at the moment uh, open this weekend, uh, 385,000, four by two, double lock-up garage on 500 squares. And how expensive does it get in Redcliffe? Oh, look, if you're looking for something top-notch, could be up as high as 550 for a big 4-2, 550 square metres with a pool. That's so low. And I understand why, because if you're going to spend more, you're going to go Lathlane, Carlisle, Rivervale, right? I I, I understand that. But isn't that fascinating that for $550,000, you're getting land, you're getting a big home, you're getting all that amenities, airport, airport train station going, which is now going to be going into the city, right? Uh, River, Belmont Forum, straight onto Tonkin Highway. Clearly, there's a big step up from there to get to, you know, slightly further west. Well, the rule of thumb has always been around 100 to 150k between Redcliffe and Rivervale. So, you That's know, a big jump to cross a border. Yeah, it, it seems like it, but you are, you are crossing Hardy Road, Orong Road, and to get all the way across to Carlisle, Lathlane. Lathlane, a similar property, you'd be you'd be talking eight fifty. Yeah. So you're talking nearly three hundred grand within a say a five k journey. Yeah. But people are willing to pay that extra money. Yeah, clearly. You've missed out on one price point, and we're going to segue with that price point in the most expensive property in Redcliffe. It's not the five fifty. 
It's the development block in that DA6 area, isn't it? Yeah, the DA6 area, that, that's where the big money is at the moment. Give uh, us a really layman's rundown on what the DA6 is, why it's being created, where it is, what's going to happen with it and what people are paying. So that DA6 section is a vision plan with the council and that is bordered by Tonkin Highway, Great Eastern into uh, the back end of the airport. So that's let's just be clear, when we used to go to the domestic airport, was it Briley? Uh, Briley Avenue. Briley Avenue. Yeah. That's all been blocked off these days. That's been closed and that's to been turned into parkland. There's a lot of houses that, used to, that are there, right? Yeah, we used to never go there because we just go straight to the airport. <laughs> There still is a lot. Uh, there still is a lot of older homes there. They're all sitting on development sites, and look, they're averaging between four fifty and five fifty as uh, just single residential sites with a vision zoning. So nothing is set in concrete till the train station is up and running. And then uh, everybody's going to have a look at the infrastructure there. But at the moment, the potential there is up to uh, eight-storey buildings and you've got a big commercial centre that's going to be surrounding the new Redcliffe train station. So we're talking hotels for the, for it, the airport, uh, apartment living, it, I guess like a telemarine style development right next to the airport for that more transient life. It could be anything at this stage. I think there will be accommodation up to eight storey. It comes down to six storey, three storey as you move away from the train station. But the developers, the smart developers are really having a good look at it at the moment. I recently sold one to a Sydney investor and he picked up 1,600 square metres with a potential of six storey at 740k. So there was another one at the end of that street that has just gone for a million for two sites side by side with two rental incomes. And I assume that's close to where the train station it's is. It's right on the train station. There's only a couple, of, you know, five or six of these streets in this area, uh, easily identified by mining names, most of them. As I see it, uh, when you look at this development plan, they really want to see all these houses knocked down and replaced with a new activity centre. It's the only way they're going to develop it. You won't be able to develop just one site. You're going to have to amalgamate two sites together to get enough land area to do the development. So you'll probably find that two or three sites pop up together as a multiple sale. Have potential investors already missed the boat on this or are there still quite a few opportunities in the future that are going to come up? Oh, it hasn't It hasn't hit its straps yet. Because it's a vision plan, nothing is set in concrete of what, what is going to be happening there. A lot of people are sitting on the fence, but now is the time to buy in those particular locations because once the train is up and running, everyone will be all over that location. Even just as a passive investment hold, that bloke has come over from Sydney and bought one house on two blocks, which has that capacity of a six-storey development, a couple of hundred metres walk from the train station, he's going to be laughing. Well, he's buying it at a ridiculous price. The owner basically didn't want to wait, but it's the same as when the tunnel went through in, in Rivervale. Um, there was a lot of hype building up to it. As soon as it went through, everyone was just jumping onto Rivervale. It's going to be the same in Redcliffe. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Well, everyone likes a fresh new idea, and this is a 100-year uh, change, really. This has been this way for so long to imagine a new town centre, a new activity centre around a brand new underground train station is going to be game-changing for the area. Yeah, I, th I think a lot of people don't realise uh, how modern the infrastructure will be there. 
when you have a look at the graphics of the videos that um, are out there at the moment on the train station, it's going to be incredible. So that's why they need all the accommodation close to it because uh, even the park and ride has got capacity for 500 cars. Mm. It's so, going to service so, all of the so, Belmont area. So they're anticipating a lot of use of this train station. If, it, if it's not next year, it's five years from now. Yeah, the anticipation is that there is a lot of density going into that area. And I guess that helps with the city of Belmont's urban infill targets. But I guess if we can move on to the rest of Redcliffe, are there just general development corner lot side-by-side options in Redcliffe or is it not really... I don't. I haven't seen a lot of... There was a corner lot uh, up on the corner of Morrison and Stanton. I think they were asking 450. It didn't last long. Duplex, triplex block on a corner opposite a private school. It was always going to go. Up in the top end of Redcliffe, the full quarter acre corner blocks, they've pretty much already been done. Yep. Uh, I did do one recently or would be about a year ago, 700k. Uh, we carved it up into three blocks and we sold those blocks for about 320 each. Um, so that was about a 960 turn on a 700 grand purchase. So mm. those sites, we're, we're, we're running out of those sites. I've, I've been selling in that location for 25 years. So on I've, the seen back end of that. I've seen them come and I've seen them go. Redcliffe is generally zoned not for small scale development. It's mainly R20s and the blocks aren't all quarter acres. Do you see a change to that zoning in the future to get a bit more gentrification in the area? I think they won't be looking at anything until this DA6 vision. That's their focus. Yeah, that's the focus. Uh, I've spoken to the planners at at the council and that is the focus to clean up that location. If you go for a drive through that location, you'll appreciate that it is undeveloped. I would suggest all the people listening today who have any level of interest in this sort of development or this area, uh, get onto the the website. There's a specific website for this, isn't it? And look at the the graphics of what the plan is. And it looks like a brand new suburb uh, with serious high rise opportunity. It's it's really something that will surprise most people. Yeah, just jump on the Belmont City website and go to planning and look up the DA six vision plan. And uh, any questions, just come back straight to us. Yep. Mate, last question, median house price question. If Devin Kelly had the median house price in his pocket, uh, what would it be and what would he do with it? The median house price is four twenty-five. So if you can pick something up in that location for four you'd be definitely ringing the bell. I would say the closer you get to that train station, the more you will have to pay and you could be up around 600K. So the idea there being hold buddy up with your neighbour next door and put it on the market at a point in time in the future as a package for a developer. That is basically buy and hold. Um, You wouldn't have to develop it yourself to make money. Uh, You could just get down there, buy it, hold it, and wait for the big boys to come in. Hmm. Smart man. Low risk, high return. I like it. Devin Kelly, do you have a last minute, last 60 second update in the Belmont area for us? Belmont at the moment is just starting to bubble. I would definitely be having a good look at it. I've sold... 66 in the last seven months and there's no sign of it stopping so yeah if you want to get a good buy come down to belmont and see us thanks dev have a good one appreciate it thanks a lot trent thank you for listening to another episode of the perth property show if you've only just joined the conversation you can catch up by heading over to our website perthpropertyshow.com.au subscribing to the podcast or joining our facebook page 
Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!